You are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. All right, Storm Tracker Podcast here. I'm Marcus Benjamin here with Frank Tucker representing the crib, South Florida. We collectively are representing canescounty.com, part of the Rivals Network. And unfortunately, Frank, the Miami baseball season came to an abrupt end Sunday evening at Mark Light Field, falling to the Texas Longhorns 10 to 6. Um, I guess they got some get back to us when it comes to basketball uh, in that respect. But um, unfortunate end to the season, the Hurricanes are eliminated in their home regional for the second year in a row. And, you know, I've been covering this team all year, Frank, and it, they're, they were just a fun team to watch. And just all, all of the offensive power, was was definitely fun to watch all the home runs uh the high scoring was was definitely to see and i just do want to say that this team will end up being that team that never was you know i think people will think back at this team and and say wow there was a lot of great players on this team and they underachieved players like of course, Yo-Yo Morales is is going to be a, a first-round draft pick in the MLB. So we'll get to see him on the next level. But I think there's a, a bunch of other players on this team that will also uh, make it to the major leagues or have a very good shot at making it to the majors. Um, Blake Sear is off to a great start to his career as a freshman and second on the team in, in, in home runs. Uh, this season and you know he was he was pretty high in every statistical category he improved over time defensively at second base so really excited to see what what happens with him Andrew Walters is is a guy who arguably the best closer in the game and quite frankly we just didn't see enough of him uh this season uh just because you know, you, you either just didn't need him or, you know, he just wasn't, um, you know, uh, it, there just wasn't a situation where you needed to kind of play him. And the, there's some other players that I think have a chance to make it to the majors, like C.J. Kafis, who's an outstanding hitter, um, really great at, at first base as well. Dominic Patelli, arguably one of the best shortstops in baseball this season. And he, he also provided some power as well, double-digit home runs for Patelli. So those are the guys to me that I think have, have a legitimate chance uh, to, to get the, to, to the major league. So I, um, I, like maybe all Miami Hurricanes fans, are disappointed in, in the season uh, just with the, all the talent uh, that was on this team. But – Let's talk about more, more so why this team didn't make it far, far enough. And it all comes down to pitching and, and the, the, the managing of, of these pitchers. And to me, baseball comes down to like five elements, you know, there, there's hitting, obviously uh, there's defense, 
Um, there's the bullpen. And um, there is uh, starting pitching. And there's just uh, managing the game or, or coaching, coaching the game. And I think uh, the Hurricanes were, were really good in defense and, and hitting. But I think obviously the most important is pitching, starting pitching in that bullpen. And that's where the Hurricanes really lacked uh, this season. You only had one real reliable ace in Gage Zeal. Uh, you had Carson Lagone, who was starting to come on and replace Zeal as the ace in the early part of the season, but then suffered an injury in his throwing arm uh, with inflammation. And we saw that really show its head in the regional where the first game against Texas, where he he got rocked in, in those first uh, couple of innings and with the the other pitcher who was outstanding LeBaron Johnson Jr that that's all the the, the Longhorns really needed uh to to win that game and it it was an absolute gem by by this kid LeBaron Johnson out of Jacksonville who ended up being the the regional MVP he he pitched a complete game you know against that lineup you know and i i think that's something that doesn't really happen not only in the majors but in college baseball especially it really doesn't happen so um so props to the longhorns and 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 them advancing out of the regional but this team just needs more pitching and and Gino Damari alluded to that in the post game press conference and really kind of communicated that the depth really hurt this team and, and it did. And to be honest, I questioned him starting zeal in that first game because I, I think, you know, I think you didn't need to start zeal against arguably, you know, the, the worst statistic statistically team in Maine in that first game, I think you should have saved him for maybe the second or third game um, with all, all of the depth issues uh, that you had starting out this season, this team was behind the eight ball when it came to pitching. They lost uh, Crowther, Kaba, and Walter's little brother, who all were expected to be in the rotation pitching wise. And then, you know, I already talked about Lagone going down and Rosario and everyone else has been up and down this season when it comes to pitching. Gallo up and down, Torres. He had a really low moment in the ACC tournament championship game, um, but all 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 around was pretty much kind of solid. Sinta's uh, had his moments, up and down moments. Uh, uh, Lacarica, I mean, he had, he had a nightmare outing yesterday, which ultimately led to the Hurricanes' demise in that final game. So when you look at this team, it, it's just it's they become the team that could have been because that lineup could be matched up with any lineup in the country, you know, with as many guys that you had hitting double digit home runs and just, just the overall run production. It's unfortunate to, to, to know that pitching was ultimately the demise of this team. And, and one last thing I'll say on this team is that, I think what really hurt this team is that your best pitcher ultimately was your closer. 
and your closer really didn't get a lot of innings, um, you know, naturally. Um, but I think they probably should have considered making Andrew Walters more of a starter or, or just to start some games because he was going several innings during uh, the season. Why not let him, let him pitch, you know, the first three? And I know some people might say, well, who's going to close out the game? You had several guys to give you a solid one or two innings this season. Torres, as I mentioned, was one of them. Gaio was another one. Even Rosario, I could see, uh, could be the closer. But I think the, the the overall perception of Andrew Walters is like he's the best closer in the game. So let's keep him as the closer. But, you know, in, in the final game, where you're ultimately eliminated, he never sees he never sees the field, you know, because you're never in a situation to really put him in the game. So in hindsight, that to me held this team back. And I would have liked to see a lot more of Andrew Walters on the mound and changing his position to maybe closer to a starter. I think might have helped this team, especially when they were decimated by injuries. But overall, I think it was a successful season considering the lack of depth uh, in pitching. I mean, this team came back in, in 19 games this season, over 120, uh, five, up, up to 125 home runs, uh, second most in team history. It's, it's definitely uh, – nothing to, you know, to, 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 you know, hold your head about it is definitely something to, to be celebrated, but it's still disappointing to know that they can't get out of their home regional once again. And I know, um, I know a lot of hurricanes fans from, from what I see, are, are going to ask for Chino Damare to, to leave the program. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying that. Um, I know he has ties, family ties uh, to the program uh, and a player who played here. So it, he's a great guy, nice guy. Um, but, you know, there, there were just some, some instances in decision-making with pitching that, you know, ultimately became his demise, ultimately was the demise of this Miami Hurricanes baseball team. Uh, but this team is, is still young. This is still a young team, and and they will obviously lose Walters and Morales um, and Torres, um, you know, but a lot of these other guys are coming back. And I, I think if you just add a few more a few, a few more pitches, I mean, the transfer portal, it works in baseball too. If you add a few more pieces to this pitching staff, then I think Miami's going to be right back in the same situation, hosting, hosting a regional, but hopefully better pitching can carry them to the next round. Yeah, so I, I think the season was pretty much culminated in that last game, right? That third inning, you allowed nine runs. It's that it's really kind of been what the season has been. You talked about 19 comeback wins, cardiac canes. 
And it, that's interesting, and that makes it fun, and it makes it an exciting season, right? And and you got guys hitting for 20 homers like Yo-Yo, but overall, pitching is what wins the World Series, right? It, if you look at the Wake Forest of the world, you look at the Vanderbilt of the world, time and time again, they always have the best pitching in college baseball, and that's really what pushes them to that level that you're starting to see Miami not be able to reach at all. So, you know, I, I think Miami has everything in place positionally, positionally and, and at the plate, but it, it's pitching is, is where you got to go get it. Like you saw Wake Forest go get some guys out of the transfer portal that really helped them with pitching this, this off, this past off season. And it, it's tough in baseball because with baseball recruiting, you have guys that are able to go to the MLB draft out of high school. And a lot of times Miami's in that top five recruiting class for baseball. And they have guys that are elite starters that are committed to them, but don't actually come to the University of Miami because they end up getting drafted because they're throwing 95 plus or they got a or they got a five pitch arsenal. So it, it's going to be tough. We'll see how it goes. Right. I, I think Miami baseball is in a solid spot. It's overall disappointing that they don't get to the College World Series, but it's not like they got run out of the run out, run out of the regionals in a bad way. They made it down to the last game against Texas. We know Texas is a 40-plus win team, so they're one of the better teams in college baseball. Not everybody can make it to the final show. And honestly, I felt like it was a decent season. Uh, at the beginning of the year, we, we started it off with, I think it was a rough series against Penn State. And we were starting to talk about this team had no chance, right? And then at the end of the year, we're, we're saying that they should make it. So that means that there was progression. And I think that's that's a good sign. And I know everybody wants to fire Gino DeMar because of, uh, you know, his his ties with his dad and, and money being thrown into the program. But at the end of the day, man, baseball is one of those sports where we see it time and time again where the, the best team doesn't always win, right? The Yankees are able to put a bunch of guys hitting 35-plus homers on the same roster. But if you don't have pitching, you ain't going to win. So, And unfortunately, in college baseball, you're not purchasing guys in the same way that you do in the other college sports. So it's, it's going to be a little bit tougher, and it's going to be interesting to see next year. You, you got guys like Blake Sear coming back, the carrier kid, who I think is going to be an absolute stud as soon as next season. He was really good this year, started off kind of on the bench, not really playing, and now uh, now I, I would say he's one of the cornerstones of the lineup. So going to be a fun year next year. I think people should probably be more positive than they are negative about the season. I know expectations for Miami baseball, the college world series and having a chance at winning the whole thing. But listen, they made a run. Texas is a really good team. I wouldn't be surprised to be one for them to be one of those final teams at the end of the, at the end of the season and uh, on to next year. Right? Yeah, definitely on to next year. Um, on a positive note, I did have a Mark light milkshake uh, yesterday. Did you have the, did you have the lobster one? I had the lobster, bro. Oh, no! Why <laughs> yeah. did you do that? I had the lobster, man. It, it was actually pretty good. I mean, it, it's, you know, I felt my stomach rumbling a little bit, like kind of. How is it good? Finished. You're putting lobster in milk. What are man. we doing? I mean, it seemed, it was pretty good. I, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a bunch of lobster in there. It was, it was some lobster, you know, you kind of chewed it a little bit going down, but I, it was it wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible, you know, so. Was that the only milkshake that they had available? <laughs> no, no, they had all they had all the um flavors available, but um 
but that's the one I wanted to try out of the three. I wasn't going to try that brisket with the barbecue sauce and the cornbread. Oh and, and I wasn't going to try that Louisiana one with the Tabasco sauce in it. Like, that just sounds too weird for me. So I was like, out of the three, I'm going to do the lobster. It's mostly vanilla anyway. Um, so I, I thought it was pretty decent. It, was, it wasn't terrible. You know, it wasn't terrible. Oh! <laughs> but um but yeah it, it was it was it was a good good experience always a great experience at the light um on to next year man and uh, we will see what happens and and there is an outside chance that yo-yo maybe stays i don't i think it's maybe a one percent chance i think the heat have a better chance uh, or had a better chance that that the espn was predicting at three percent to beat the celtics um but you know um you know my guys are still in the NBA finals, we just got split last night and Panthers going to come back with another split, hopefully. But um, on to more Canes news, um, because I know that's kind of a sore spot for you, uh, Frank. Um, June, it's June, man. It's officially June. So it's a big, big recruiting month for every team in the country. Um, but down here in South Florida, uh, the Miami Hurricanes will host a bunch of camps. They'll have a, pros um, a prospect camp this week. Had one yesterday as well. Frank, you were out there. You saw some of the guys that were out there, um, guys that we're already very familiar with down here in South Florida. Um, just first, um, just your thoughts on what you saw out there and um, any, 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 any news coming from that prospect camp. It was your traditional first prospect camp for a school, right? You had some guys out there, but overall it really wasn't talent, like talent heavy. Uh, Jabari Brady, a star freshman, was out there. Samari Reed, a sophomore offered uh, athlete at a Monarch as well. Wade and Charles was putting on a show out there. Um, but then you had a lot of young kids like Zach Katz, who's a 2027 quarterback that is going to be a Power 5 prospect coming up uh, through South Florida. I'm um, going to be one of the better quarterbacks that we've seen in a long time. He was out there throwing, but again, he's an eighth grader. Uh, so it was Jade Card from Norland, um, Jamari Smith, who's also a Norland receiver. Both of them were offered by Toledo. This was a mega camp type situation where Toledo was out there. Western Michigan was out there. And I think that Allen University was also out there. Like there was a few schools, um, a lot of group of five schools. So uh, I think that there was probably better recruiting for the power five schools than there was for the University of Miami. But uh, I think the most important part of this weekend was the official visits that Miami had. And, uh, you know, I, I know we're going to segue into that, but, uh, you know, it was good to have Wade and Charles on campus. And I think that the continuing relationship being built uh, with Jabari Brady is going to be a very important one because we, we both know that he is going to be one of the top prospects in the country. And when that 2026 ranking comes out, he will be a top 100 player borderline maybe top 25 uh, at six foot four you know 200 pounds almost running a 10 500 uh with two years varsity production i mean he he fits the mold it's him and malachi tony at, at, in the conversation for that number one receiver spot in the country so glad that miami's on him very early you saw coaches talking to him uh especially at the end of the uh at the end of the camp and I think that Miami's in a good spot there. We spoke to him a couple weeks back. Go check out that article on CanesCounty.com. You can find it under Jabari Brady's profile. 
Um, but want to segue into those uh, those officials now? Yeah, just a little bit on my, my thoughts on Wade and Charles. I, I, I think he's a really, really, really good good player. Um, I the, the feelings that I have for him right now are the same. I hate to say this because I hate comparing kids, but it is the same that I had for Jeremiah Smith when it was when it was his um, sophomore year. You know, like as far as his athleticism, his speed, his just location of the football. Now, I think Jeremiah Smith ends up being a better talent than than Wade and Charles, but the, the there there are a lot of similarities, and I think he, his recruitment is going to skyrocket. But one quick question, though. He's still at Somerset, right? Somerset Canyons in, in Boynton Beach. and you think he's a, there? I do. I do. I, I think that he's a Palm Beach kid through and through. And, uh, you know, he came out there with his offense coordinator, actually. That's the guy who brought him out there to the Miami camp. And they took him – they've taken him to a number of different schools this offseason. And despite interest from a lot of different places, he, is, he has stayed loyal through and through. And I think that's another testament to the type of kid how uh, like the type of kid that Wade and Charles is. Um, I think he's a little bit more of a faster version of a Chance Robinson. I think that's a uh, that's a pretty good comparison. A guy who has top 200 potential, maybe top 150. I think we're going to see a rise from both players, including Chance Robinson. Um, so uh, I, I think Wade and Charles is going to be that high four-star type player. I don't think he ever reaches that five-star type of market. Uh, he's already over 30 offers, so – the recruiting resume is pretty elite. Um, you know, once we start to see Alabama's and schools like that start to pop, I think things get really interesting for him. But at six foot two, six foot three, 180, 590 pounds with good speed, we've seen him go against the best of the best in the 2024 class in the seven on seven settings, plus have a thousand yard season while playing both sides of the football at Somerset. Despite you know, lower competition. He dominated the way that he should. So uh, one of the elite players in that 2025 cl class, love what I see from him. You got a loaded group. You got Josh Moore. You got him. You got Cortez Mills, right? That, that's that's a real Kamari Williams, Kyle Washington from Shamanah Madonna. That is a really good 2025 receiver class. And I think he's one of the main guys in that group. Um, and yeah, I, I think, uh, I think it's really good that Miami's, uh, in a good spot with him. They offered early. Um, and I think that Miami's probably his number number one school right now. Awesome. Awesome. Good to hear. Uh, yeah, let's, let's get into the, the big name players that visited Miami this weekend and just kind of the chances of Miami landing the, these big name guys. Of course, you can see our official visitors list on canescounty.com. One of those players on that list was Kamarion Franklin, uh, the big D lineman out of Mississippi. And he, he made it and also put Miami in his top five uh, within the past week. So there's, there, there's definitely a possibility anytime Miami's in the top five, well, for any kid, there's a big possibility that he chooses Miami with one of the best closers in the game in Mario Cristobal. Um, so excited to see where that recruitment goes. Uh, but some other players as well did visit Miami, like Dre Hawkins, uh, Traylon Miller. Uh, James Nesta is, is a player I think is trending towards uh, Miami. Um, a lot of momentum building uh, with this kid. 
uh, seems to really like what he saw in Coral Gables. And then Wyatt Gilmore is, is, is also a player that has Miami in his top five uh, schools. Um, so definitely some momentum, momentum building with that defensive end as well. What it tells me is that Jason Taylor, man, is a valuable asset. I mean, I mean, that's pretty, that's probably the most obvious take I've had all year, <laughs> but like the, the fact that all of these defensive ends and, and there's going to be more and there's more that we, we haven't really talked about our defensive linemen that we talked um that are, are thinking about Miami. So with, with all that, all that being said, I mean, out of this group, who do you think um, is trending towards Miami the most? Um, I think that Kamarian Franklin is trending heavy, but I, I don't know if I could say that Miami's a favorite right now. Tank Hawkins, I think Miami's a favorite there. I, I know that some people have kind of talked about West Virginia because he's a native there and, and that, and them potentially being a favorite, but I think the selling of him being a potential tank Dell in this Shannon Dawson offense is something that is intriguing to him. He spoke to our, one of our national analysts, John Garcia, yesterday about what Miami brings to the table, what they communicated to him on, on what his role could be here. And we don't see Miami really recruiting slot receivers heavily in this cycle. They went and got Robbie Washington and Ray Ray Joseph in the last class. And I think that Tank Hawkins is that guy to be the slot receiver of this class. You got Chance Robinson. Uh, they're going hard after Jeremiah Smith, Josiah Traders, Wayne McCoys, guys like that. Drayon Miller, who was also on a visit. I, I think Texas A&M still probably a favorite there, but Miami's still pushing. Uh, he's that guy that I think that they're trying to bring in as the speed threat of that group. And and I think Miami's in a good spot coming off uh, the, the visit this weekend. Uh, Drayon Miller, like I said, I think that's a Texas A&M lead. Um, I, I think Miami is going to keep pushing uh, and he's because he's a top 50 prospect in the country. But I just don't know if that one happens. He's a Texas native. So it's going to be a hard pull. I would rather see Miami pull from the South Florida pool of talent than go get a guy from Texas that you might have to beg to come rather than, you know, just get him in the boat because he wants to be here. James Nesta, you already talked about him. Miami's the favorite there. They weren't even included in his top eight. You and I spoke about that off the podcast. And yes. the fact that they've moved up so quickly is really a good sign. I know he's another three-star, right? We're going to talk yeah. about Miami recruiting three-stars, right? But at the end of the day, he's a six-five athletic edge guy uh, who could play outside linebacker if they really wanted to transition him to that spot. But I think he's going to be a really good pass rusher at the next level. With some length, with some length, some versatility, and the frame to put on some really good weight, um, and and I think he could be a guy that moves pretty high in the rankings. He could be a low four star prospect by the end of the cycle. Um, and Wyatt Gilmore, that's a little bit of a weird one for me. You you don't see many guys from Minnesota make their way right. down to Miami. We spoke to him earlier in the cycle about Miami. There was a lot of love there. He liked what he was hearing. This was before Jason Taylor got the job, I believe. So him and Joe, Joe Salavea have kind of built a good relationship. He's a bigger player, already over 250 pounds. So I think he's probably more of an inside guy than an edge guy like a James Nesta. So we'll see about that one. I think Minnesota's probably going to end up getting that one uh, just because homegrown kid, um, you know, and, and I, I don't know 
if that kid's going to end up making that cross-country move to the University of Miami, despite a need for depth at that 4-I, 3-technique type spot. Uh, Demetrius Freeney is the one that I absolutely love to fit the University of Miami. You, know, you, you lose a guy to the portal and Terry Roberts, who came over from Iowa. It was a quick turnaround in his, in his uh, transfer portal experience. Um, and, you know, oh. <laughs> still going, actually. So still going, still going, right? Like he comes to Miami as a guy who's supposed to be that versatile piece. He was supposed to kind of be that Al Blades replacement, right? Like we thought Al Blades was going to be that guy that could play corner, could play safety last year, especially with the injuries that Miami has had. You need guys that can be smart enough to play all five positions in the defensive backfield. Miami loses that now, right? The, the Jadias Richard kid, I think he could fill that role, but I think that they're looking for him as a potential Johnny Wilson type uh, cancellation type guy, right? The, the guy who at six foot two, 200 pounds running sub 1100 could, could keep up with the bigger receivers of college football that are vertical threats and on the outside. I, I don't think that they're sold on Daryl Porter. I think that this is a, a Jadias Richard and Devontae Brown type situation. Two guys that are over six foot one and fill the need uh, of giving Miami length with the ability to cover vertically. And Demetrius Freeney is also another one of those guys, 6'1", 190 pounds, sub-1100 time, sub-22 in the 200. So he's got that athleticism that you want on the back end of the defense, something we didn't see from guys like DJ Ivy. And I think that he would be a perfect fit on this defense. All right, you continue to add length. He has four years to play three, which is another big thing. He was a qualifier out of high school, so was just kind of an undiscovered gem rather than being a guy that had some background issues, right? And California native, the rest of the schools he's looking at, like Houston, Colorado, uh, Indiana, that I don't know if they fit that tropical vibe of what he's kind of accustomed to. He's even playing junior college in the California ranks. So I, I love the fit there. I think that with Jamila Dye, uh, our defensive back coach, going after him personally, I think Miami's in a good spot in that recruitment. Definitely sounds like it is trending towards Miami uh, with Freeney, 6'1", 190 pounds, uh, really from the 2023 class. Uh, but Miami is looking at other DBs as well for the 2024 class. And a couple of Georgia Bulldog commits potentially, you know, could flip to Miami. Uh, and both of the both of these these guys, Ellis Robinson and Jalen Hayward, are outstanding talents to me. Um, both, you know, currently playing in the state of Florida, one at Rockledge and one at IMG. So the proximity uh, is an I think is an, an advantage uh, for Miami. Uh, but the fact that the Miami's continue to push for these guys is, is kind of just great to hear in itself that they're not afraid to go after guys, even though they're committed to the national two time, a national champions. Uh, so Miami, as we know, can recruit with anybody, but how real is this smoke th that they could possibly flip to Miami? Yeah. So Jalen Hayward, Keep, keep keep an eye out. Keep an eye out on that. We, we talked about it, uh, you know, about a week ago um, that there's a flip situation potentially coming this summer. And 
when he comes on his official visit, I, I, that's where my eyes are really peeled. The Ellis Robbins situation is kind of interesting. I know that he's constantly been on campus, has been multiple times this offseason, taking that official. And IMG's been a pipeline for Miami. But at the end of the day, he still has a close relationship with a number of players that are on that Georgia team and are in that recruiting class. And he's still recruiting guys to Georgia. If he wasn't recruiting guys to Georgia, I would be feeling much better about this situation. And I know people are going to be like, oh, kids do that just to keep keep things, you know, where they're at, right? Status quo, don't want to, don't want to, you know, set off too many alarms. I don't think that's the case. If this is a kid that controls his future, controls his path, and as arguably the top corner in the class, he he can kind of dictate on, on on how he wants this recruitment to go. He doesn't have to be pushing guys to end up in the class with him at Georgia because it's hard to go from pushing a guy to go to Georgia to pushing them to come to you, come with you to Miami. So sure. I, I still think Miami is ways off with Ellis Robinson. I know the raw the raw Miami his seven on seven teams relationship is tight with Miami, but overall. Uh, it, it, this is going to come down to the very end, in my opinion. I think that Miami's got their word cut out with Ellis Robinson, but I think that a flip candidate in, in Jalen Hayward is a real, real thing. A flip, a flip, I think, is a, a real a thing as far as, you know, some raw players, um, as in the 7-on-7 seven seven team. Uh, is Luane McCoy, man. Like, um, I, I really think that is a real legit possibility. Um, you know, I get the sense that he um, committed to Florida State because, you know, obviously he established a relationship with them. But um, I, I, I really feel like he was hoping that Miami jumped on him earlier than Florida State. And, and I think if that would have happened – I think he would have committed to Miami um, instead of committing to Florida State. So now that Miami is on him, you know, as hard as, as, as they are now, uh, from, from when I last spoke to him, you can check that article out on CanesCounty.com. Uh, they are really pushing pushing for McCoy and, and just, uh, you know, continuing to, to build a relationship with him. And that's something I could definitely see happening wouldn't be surprised at all, especially from, you know, Miami Central and, and, and the pipeline that is firmly being established uh, from 95th Street to Coral Gables. Uh, that's something I wouldn't be surprised about at all. Um, another player that, you know, is a possible flip, and it's the biggest name on the board, obviously, and that's Jeremiah Smith. And Jeremiah Smith did visit uh, Georgia recently. Um, there are, you know, rumblings about him, of course, uh, officially visiting Miami as well. Was that Florida? Was, was that Florida this past weekend? Was that Florida this past weekend? Um, has a great relationship with, uh, with Kevin Beard. Um, so I think he's definitely putting his feelers out there and I wouldn't bet the house on him signing with Ohio State just yet. Uh, but what are you uh, are you hearing anything about him uh, officially visiting Miami? Yeah, so an official visit is happening, right? And, and we're gonna have more on that on Canes County um, as soon as today. Uh, so it, it's happening, like that. That's in the works. They haven't 
I think the the date is uh, June twenty third. I believe the date was. Um, okay. So we'll get we'll get that out to you. That's the Legends yeah. Camp weekend. Yeah. So he he, he is going to be visiting that weekend. Um, it's the same week that Judd Anderson is in town. So I don't know if they're going to be able to get Judd out there earlier than expected uh, to kind of make that push from the quarterback to him because we know that's a big sell for Jeremiah right now. Who is the quarterback that you're bringing in with him? We've right. seen that time and time again be a, a factor with the number one uh, receiver coming out of South Florida. And I, I think that Dylan Riola and him have a good relationship. He's a guy that is recruiting him extremely hard to the University of Georgia. Uh, DJ Lagway is another top quarterback that is recruiting him heavily to the University of Florida. And I think that's why you're seeing those two teams really make that jump uh, yeah. and, and make things interesting with Ohio State because I don't know what the relationship like was with Air Nolan. It seems like it's okay. They have a little bit of experience together playing in seven on seven. Well, from what I heard, I don't know if he's necessarily sold on 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 Eric Nolan. Just from not from Jeremiah, just from outside sources, right? So uh, I think that a flip could happen. I don't know if he ends up at Ohio State. I don't think that the Ohio State fans are handling the recruitment really really well, or they're kind of going at Jeremiah in a big way. And I think that. Well, the Ohio State staff is handling it right, though. They're letting him go through his process. They're not bugging him. But I do think that they are a little worried. I do think they're a little worried, but I think there are other factors that have come into play in his recruitment as of late. And I think that's going to help Miami in this case. And I think that an official visit to Miami where Miami can show how much of a priority he really is on a week where it's a top, it's top visitors coming, and I believe he's visiting midweek. So he's going to get that personal time with the coaching staff. He's going to get that personal time with Kevin Beard, who he's talked about in an extremely positive way. He's talked about Shannon Dawson in an extremely positive way. That that connection with Geno Smith, his NFL cousin, it is something that I think plays in Miami's favor. And I think that Miami is targeting four to five-star quarterbacks right now. And we're going to talk about one in a in just a little bit that is trending to Miami. But that is part of the reason why. I think that they're trying to do whatever they can to make sure that they grab these top receivers in this class so they can flip the room the same way they did with the offensive line, the same way that they're doing with the defensive line uh, in this class. So um, I, I think that he's a strong flip candidate, maybe not to Miami because I think Georgia and Florida in the race, but it, it's this is going to come down to the wire for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, you talk about quarterback, and, um, you know, this is no disrespect to Judd Anderson, but um, he's just not as highly rated as a Air Nolan Lagway or uh, Riola. Um, you know, it's just based on just just the ratings, if, if, we're, if we're looking at the ratings um, as, as our measuring stick. And that could, you know, be – definitely could be a detriment uh, for Miami uh, recruiting the top receivers. And that includes Jeremiah Smith, but there is one quarterback uh, out there, uh, a young one who's also committed uh, to another school that Miami has gained some momentum with. And he is a, you know, state champion and, and he is just an impressive kid from, you know, his freshman, maybe his even eighth grade year. I'm not, I'm not quite sure if he was playing as an eighth grader up there. At, at he was rotating. He was rotating as an eighth grader. 
Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. So, and that's Colin Hurley, man. Colin Hurley is a guy that, from from what we see, um, Shannon Dawson is really high on. Uh, what are the chances of that Miami flips this kid? Yeah, so we reported about a week ago uh, that Colin Hurley, that there was some interest from Shannon Dawson with Colin Hurley, right? I, I was told from a source that that was the top guy on his board op, outside of Judd Anderson. And there's a relationship there with Miami previous from previous to Dawson, right? South Florida native. Um, kind of was rumors that he was going to come play high school ball down here. Uh, had been on campus several times. Yeah. Miami was one of his top schools before he eventually committed to LSU. And I think part of the reason he eventually chose LSU over Miami was just the inconsistencies at developing quarterbacks um, in recent memory uh, at the University of Miami. And then there was the the issue with Josh Gaddis not being uh, locked in for the job long term. So now you got a guy like Shannon Dawson who's kind of brought stability to that offensive recruiting and kind of bringing in an offense that I think intrigues a lot of receivers and quarterbacks alike. So uh, I, I, I'm i hearing that things are not as sunny on the LSU front as they probably appear to be. I'm hearing that he is the quarterback coach's guy, and the quarterback coach is not a guy who's been at LSU for a long time. And he's, he's going to be a strong head coach candidate as one of the young coaches in college football. Uh, we reported on this on the message boards for canescounty.com. If you go check that out there, we got all the details. But I like where Miami is right now. Now, they got to get him on they got to get him on a visit, right? If you don't get him on a visit, then there's really no chance. Um I wouldn't be surprised if there was a secret visit uh to happen. Obviously, we probably will try to avoid reporting on that. <laughs> we know it. we know what happens in those situations uh here yeah. in the uh in, in in the Miami Hurricanes universe, but yeah. uh but uh, honestly, man, I, I like where Miami's at, and I think that he's the target to watch. We know that things have been really quiet on the quarterback front since Judd Anderson committed and Aaron Nolan decided to go to Ohio State. There was a little bit of smoke with Mabry Metower, who was a Wisconsin quarterback. Nothing really nothing really came about that. He, he was more so one of those guys that you know seemed to have a dream offer for Miami uh, originally and is now heavily recruiting for Wisconsin. So kind of like an Ellis Robinson situation, I, I don't foresee a flip happening there. But um, I, I think it's definitely something to watch. We, it's obviously being heavily reported now that Colin Hurley uh, is, is a Miami target. But um, just glad we jumped on that when we did. And, and, there, and yeah. there's, some, there's, some strong, there's some strong clues there that uh, a match could be made um, to get him back home. Definitely would be a very good addition to the 2025 class, but you know, he, he, he could not, he's, 20, he's 24. He's 24 now. Oh yeah, that's right. He, he reclassified. He reclassified. Remember, he, remember he was, he was Miami's top target in 25. Right. And then reclassified to 2024. Him and Davi Belfort were the two guys that did that and stayed in the top 10 of the, of the quarterback ranking. So, uh, he, he's the guy, listen, Miami is always, I think that Miami is going to continue to go down this path of they're going to take the guy that they want evaluation wise, which was John Anderson. And we saw them do the same thing with Emory Williams. That's the guy that they like. That's the guy that they think that they can build up and develop. But they also know that you can't build a class around a guy with no recruiting prowess. 
So what do you do? You go get the, the, the high floor, maybe not as high ceiling guy, who's a high four-star prospect or a borderline five-star prospect, and you bring them in, and that's the guy that sells your class. He might not be the guy that you foresee as a starter at the position, but he's a guy that you know has the ability to be a fallback option as a blue-chip prospect. Might not fit exactly what you want, but you know that you can be able to build. You, you can say, I have this guy. You, right. He's the same thing as what you got at, at Ohio State. He might not be the number one quarterback in the country like what Georgia has, but right. if you look at DJ Lagway's numbers, he is the least productive quarterback in, of any top prospect in the 2024 class. Right, Sub-60 completion percentage is, is a, doesn't have a winning record on Friday nights, doesn't put up huge numbers, is a really good athlete. But if you want to talk about that guy, right, DJ Lagway, Miami's essentially got him in Jakari Brown. So, right, like it's not like Miami is is behind the eight ball recruiting compared to the University of Florida because they got a guy who might be higher in the rankings, but isn't better than Colin Hurley probably and fits the mold of a guy that Miami already has in the building and is in a red shirt this season. So he's going to have three years to be the guy at the University of Miami. So I, I think that Miami eventually is going to is going to bypass the likes of Florida for Jeremiah Smiths and and top targets like that, because there's only so long where you can sell fake numbers in NIL and sell a quarterback that has bad production because he's going to have to play football this fall. Right. And we, we, we've saw, we saw guys like Jaden Rashada who, who had questionable resumes coming into was, their senior year. I was just going to mention Jaden Rashada because the way you described Colin Hurley was very similar to how Jaden Rashada was recruited because from what I heard, he he was more that guy that they weren't completely sold on, that but they wanted him to kind of be in the wave of recruits to kind of generate some buzz for the program, which it did. Of course, he ended up, you know, uh, going somewhere else where he didn't end up, end up uh, landing eventually. Uh, you know, we we all know about that whole nil story. Um, but yeah, I think Colin Hurley has has the potential to be the the next Jaden Rashada that actually stays with the class. <laughs> yeah, but and, and and listen, I I think like we're mixing some Jaden Rashada narratives right now. Right, I think DJ Lagway has a Jaden Rashada type resume. I think he's going to come into this year with a very high ranking, and I think he's going to drop down. I just don't think that he's done anything other than maybe some flashes in seven on seven and some rushing ability to show that he's the number one quarterback in the class or should be in the conversation for that. I think Colin Hurley has been a very productive quarterback, has won a state championship as a starter at, at Trinity. Um, and I think that, you know, Miami um, is going to be able to sell the kids and say, listen, this guy is not the guy who you think he is over there, right? We are able to develop our guys over here. Shannon Dawson has proven that time and time again, right? Clayton Toon was not some – Ballyhooed prospect that he brought in at Houston, but he turned him into an NFL quarterback and one of the product, most productive quarterbacks in the country. So uh, I, I I love what the staff is doing. I think that they're keeping Miami in the race for a number of top targets in the offensive skill position spots, and now Colin Hurley. So I, I'm I'm interested to see uh, what's what the next step is going to be in that progression of that Colin Hurley recruitment. Yeah, and if they end up getting Colin Hurley let's let's just say let's just say they do 
I think it really sets up this team nicely as far as this quarterback position because you still have Emory Williams that is still, you know, kind of learning uh, the position as far as being quarterback on the college level. Jakari Brown, you're hoping, will continue to develop. And Judd Anderson is a legit 2024 uh, player with a lot of size and athleticism and upside. And then you've got Colin Hurley, to me, is uh, is the more talented thrower of the football, but he is a 2024 talent that is a, a 2025 age, you know? So he's still a young guy that you're going to potentially bring in early that may, you know, may sit for – for you know a year or a year or two um and then you have that kid sitting behind a potential uh jacari brown emory williams judd anderson and you've got this kid just kind of waiting in the wings of course we're kind of way ahead uh of that whole process but it definitely sounds nice you know if, if they are able to get colin hurley in um an in-state type of talent keep him home and um you know, you said originally, you know, from 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 down here or whatnot, um, it, it would be a, a great get for the Miami Hurricanes at the quarterback position, really solidifying that position for the future. So with that being said, man, uh, the potential of this class is, is through the roof, man. It, it really is through the roof. I mean, we already talked about Kamarian Franklin, a five star who visited this weekend. A lot of smoke on five star Justin Scott potentially committing uh, to the program. Uh, Dylan Williams, uh, another very talented, or Dylan Stewart, I think is his last name, sorry, um, uh, potentially, uh, you know, gaining a lot of traction with Miami as well. Uh, you talked about Tank, uh, Hawkins. Um, I mean, there's just a ton of players that could potentially commit to Miami. As, um, you know, we didn't even talk about Jashia Trader. Or you know, Luane McCoy. Um, there's a lot of three-star guys currently in the class right now, but there's certainly more four-star potential, four and five-star potential to land in this class. Last year, Miami was able to land a top 10 class. This year, what happens? Another top 10 class for Miami? I, I definitely think it's going to be another top 10 class. And I think you're going to see guys like Vincent Shavers rise up. I think Chris Wheatley Humphrey is another guy that can rise up to those four-star uh, you know, rankings uh, just because of the speed that he has. We saw Chris Johnson uh, make that same that same jump. I think it's going to be very similar. So um, I think Miami's in a really good spot. Uh, I think that they're going to, even if they don't grab a Colin Hurley, I think they're going to do so well at the defensive line position and that receiver that it's going to elevate this class really high up. Um, and I think defensive back wise, you get a Zaquan Patterson, you get a Jalen Hayward, Isaiah Thomas, already a blue chip prospect. Uh, you know, you, you potentially flip an Ellis Robinson and you're looking at borderline top five class, right? I think they finished at seven in this last one. Yeah. Would not be surprised, would not be surprised if they're in that same range. For this class, obviously, you got to pull some whales. We know that they're whale fishing. They're 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 going after them, right? Kamarion Franklin was the first official visit of, of of the five star ranks for Miami, but 
we're going to see a lot more over the next few weeks. Um, and and I'm, I'm interested to see how the next month goes, right? Because w w we've talked about it off air, right? That there's upwards of what, 17 type, 17 guys that could commit over the next month or so um, from, from these official visits. And I think if you get close to that 20 mark uh, coming out of the summer, uh, then, then you got a solid base before you start trying to go get that the big whales like the Jeremiah Smiths into the fall. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I I hundred percent agree. Um, there's there's nothing that tells me otherwise, uh, especially with adding a Jason Taylor and a Kevin Beard. I think those just adding those two coaches as as recruiters. Is, is really going to elevate this program. Uh, of course, Tim Harris Jr. Uh, do, doing a great job as well. Already got Chris Wheatley Humphrey on board. I just think the, the potential for this program, I think, can actually be better uh, than last year. Um, you know, I, I think that Miami was flirting with, with a top – top three class uh, last season. And, and it, depending on who you, who you talk to um, a, a lot of, uh, a lot of people think that Miami's class was top five uh, last, uh, last cycle. And, you know, we've yet to see some, some of the players that from that class even step on green tree officially um, as of yet. So the, 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 you know, jury's still out on who, on how good that 2023 class is. But this 2024 class really has the potential to be great. I think they're building a solid base with the so-called three stars um, that, you know, like you said, I think a lot of these players will end up having a higher, a higher rating by the end of the season. So, I, I I would actually bet that Miami gets a top 10 class again this season. I think it's okay if, if that's a bet that's open on FanDuel or Bovada or whatever you bet on, I would take it right now. I really would. I, I, I'd say Miami's going to, going to have another top 10 class uh, this season. And when you put two top 10 classes together, it usually equals a championship, you know, at least a conference championship. And that's what Miami is trying to build towards. So um, I, I would say the odds are definitely in Miami's favor. All right. So anything else you you want to talk about before we wrap this thing up? Nah, just uh, listen, stay, 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 stay faithful Miami fans trust the evaluations even if they grab a few three like if a Wyatt Gilmore commits who's a three-star prospect you gotta trust the evaluations guys these, these coaches are are exhausting exhausting the evaluations on these guys and they're picking guys that fit what they want to do going forward they're not fitting what we think are the best players in the class they're fitting what they feel is the best guy that fits this program and, and that's who they're going to grab, and that's who they're targeting. So trust the guys that are making a lot of money to do these things. And and, and Miami, Miami is on the right path. Miami is on the right path. Eight, nine wins this year. You know, you get to double digits a year after that. 
you continue to go down the path to the Clemson recruiting where you're getting guys. Remember, this is the Clemson model of what Miami is doing. Clemson wasn't getting top five classes at the beginning of Dabo Sweeney's tenure. He was grabbing certain guys that were, were culture fits, that were that fit what they wanted to do schematically, right? You, you have building block players like C.J. Spiller. You got a Cam Kitchens, right? And, and you keep going from there to there to there to there, and it's step by step. I know we, we, we are tired of losing uh, for the University of Miami, and it's tough to watch 20-plus uh, years of, uh, of mediocrity in a way. But overall, this team it was not conducive to winning uh, double-digit games upon Mario Cristobal's arrival, and he's doing everything that he can to get it to the right spot. So trust the evaluations. We're going to continue to say that. We're hashtagging it, hashtag trust evaluations, and it's going to be a fun <laughs> couple of weeks in recruiting. Yeah, tr trust the evaluation and trust canescounty.com to continue to bring you news and information, like inside information that we had first about Colin Hurley. Uh, it is free to subscribe to canescounty.com for the first 30 days. You see that promo code scrolling down at the bottom there, Miami 30. Also, make sure you subscribe to this channel as well, live from Canes County. We'll continue to bring you press conferences, interviews, highlights, podcasts as these. Uh, we bring our, our guy, Larry Bluestein on these podcasts as well as other guests. So uh, it's going to be a big summer for the Hurricanes and also for CanesCounty.com. Continue to stay tuned in, and we'll catch you on the next episode.